media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. My topic to us this morning is rejoice. Rejoice. Information got to Paul through Epaphroditus of what was taking place in the church at Philippi. One, they were wondering why Paul was imprisoned, which Paul answered in chapter 1, 12 to 24. Secondly, they were, there were some selfish, ambitious members, chapter 2, 3, and 4, 3 to 4. Thirdly, Judaizers were making inroads with their circumcision for salvation doctrine, chapter 3, 1 to 10. Fourthly, some believers were prone to believe that once they were saved, they were free from the moral law and could do, and could do whatever they please, chapter 3, 1 to 9, 11 to 19. Fifthly, there were some petty differences among members resulting in friction and grieving of the Holy Spirit, chapter 4, verse 2. After Paul dealt with these problems, ab- problems above, he gave the believers three exhortations, followed by a promise in chapter 4, 4 to verse 7. He encouraged the believers to rejoice in the Lord. He encouraged them to let your gentleness be evident to all. He encouraged them to do to do not be anxious about anything, anything, but in everything, by a prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Promise in verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Our goal this morning is to, is to deal with the with the, with the key thought in verse 4, rejoice. The exhortation we want to deal with this morning is rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. After a difficult 2020 and 21, you thought the year 2022 would be a little easier. Things were difficult and challenging the last two years, so the thought is that this year would be a lot better, but it's not. Many of us have lost loved ones from the pandemic. People were, were, were on oxygen, not able to breathe. Relatives and friends were sick in the hospital, and we were not able to see them. But as you have gone through the first couple of months, of, two, of, of 2020, you realize that it's not any different. The last two years, it was difficult for me to rejoice, and it is no different this year. In 2022, the problems, the frustration, the tribulations are just as the same as they were in 2020 and 21. Things are too complicated and complex, and I cannot rejoice. I am here to let you know that whatever the circumstances are, whatever the frustrations, whatever the tribulations you are going through, guess what? You can rejoice. 
you can rejoice. Whatever storms you're facing, you can rejoice. You might be finding the promises of Uncle Sam are not being fulfilled. But let me share something with you. You can rejoice. You might be facing some, some difficult decisions. How am I going to take care of my family? Or, or you have a family member who's stricken with some form of illness. Allow me to encourage you, Cornerstone, that you can rejoice. At Philippi, Paul was exhorting the believers to rejoice. Paul was, Paul was the absolute perfect person to exhort the believers to rejoice. When Paul penned this letter to the believers at Philippi, he was in chains. Paul was in prison as he wrote to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. He did not have the freedom to move about as he desired. So when he challenged, when Paul challenged the believers at Philippi, he knew what he was telling them to do. Paul was exhorting them to rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice, the verb of the sentence. Rejoice, the verb of the sentence, is in the present tense, which has the idea of a continuous action. It is not a sometime rejoicing. It is not a part-time rejoicing, but, is a, but it is a continuous rejoicing. Paul was not saying to the believers that only when things are going well that you can rejoice. Paul was not saying that today you can rejoice and tomorrow you don't have to rejoice. Paul was not saying that when things are smooth sailing, you can rejoice. Paul was saying, in good times as well as in bad times, you can rejoice. When the storms of this life are twisting you to and fro, you can rejoice. When the earthquakes of this life are rocking your very foundation, you can rejoice. When the high waves of this life are tossing you to and fro, you can rejoice. When the pandemic has rocked your world and family and friends are dying, guess what, Cornerstone? You can rejoice. When you see, when, when, when you see no one, when, when, when you see no way out, guess what? You can rejoice. Whatever the circumstances are, whatever the situation is, guess what? You can rejoice. What are you going through this morning? What's your situation? What is your situation this morning that is holding you back from rejoicing? Paul is saying to us all that we can rejoice. Not only is the verb rejoice is in the present tense, but it's also in the active voice. There are three voices in the Greek language. The middle voice, the passive voice, and the active voice. The middle voice is a voice, is a voice where the subject does the action to himself. For example, he hanged himself. The passive voice is the voice where the subject receives the action of the verb. There was a man who was sent from God. The active voice is the voice where the subject is an active participant. Uh, in, 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 active participant or the, or the subject produces, experiences or performs the action of the verb. Therefore, the believers at Philippi were to be an active participant in the act of rejoicing. Paul was saying to the Philippians to produce, to experience, 
and to perform the act of rejoicing. Paul was saying to the Philippians, no one else can rejoice for you, on your be- for you, on your behalf. And I believe he's saying, thing, saying, saying the same thing to us. We are to be an active participant in the act of rejoicing. Listen, believers, your parents or your children cannot rejoice for you. Your brother or your sister cannot rejoice for you. Your husband or your wife cannot rejoice for, for you. Believers, the, the leadership here at Cornerstone cannot rejoice for you. You have to rejoice for yourself. You have to be an active participant in the act of rejoicing. Not only is the verb rejoice in the present tense and in the active voice, it is also in the imperative mode. Paul was not asking the believers to rejoice. Paul was telling them in the form of an exhortation to rejoice. Paul was instructing the believers at Philippi that they must rejoice. Paul was giving the believers at Philippi an imperative that they must rejoice. We are commanded also to rejoice. Knowing that Paul was imprisoned and he, Paul, was telling the Philippians to rejoice, they could do nothing else but to accept what Paul was saying to them. Paul went through some difficult situations. He knew, he knew, he, so he knew what he was talking about when he told them to rejoice. He was imprisoned, cornerstone. He was flogged. He was exposed to death. Five times he received from the Jews forty lashes minus one. Three times he was beaten with a rod. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a night and day in open sea. He was, he was in danger from bandits, in danger from his own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the, in, in the, in the, in, 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 in the country, in danger at sea, and, and in danger from false brothers. Listen, believers. It is likely, it is likely that Paul dragged a chain across a desk as he wrote, rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. He was suffering. He was in deep anguish. But he said to the Philippians, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And guess what, Cornerstone? He's saying the same thing to us. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. It does not matter what their circumstances are. Rejoice, rejoice. Maybe, maybe you're saying, Radley, how do you expect me to rejoice? I, I, I cannot rejoice. I, 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 I've lost my job and you expect me to rejoice. Or I'm having problems on my job and, or, or, or I'm unable to find a job. I cannot rejoice. I cannot find money to pay the necessary bills, the electric, the gas, the telephone, the mortgage. And you expect me to rejoice. My marriage is, is falling apart and you're saying to me, that I can rejoice. My kids are, my kids have walked away from the church and living ungodly lives and you want me to rejoice. I've lost my mom, my dad, or I have a family member who's, who's critically ill and you're saying to me, Radley, that I can rejoice. How do you expect me to rejoice? I cannot rejoice. Listen, listen. 
The beautiful thing about rejoicing is the fact that you don't rejoice or you don't rejoice or refrain from rejoicing because of what you have or don't have. You don't rejoice or refrain from rejoicing because of your circumstances. Listen. You rejoice because you're a born again believer. You rejoice because you have been saved by grace through faith. You rejoice because you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You rejoice because your sins are forgiven. You rejoice because you have an inheritance in Christ. You rejoice because you're released from the shackles of sin. You rejoice because we were in the miry clay and God snatched us out with his impeccable hands and place us on that solid rock and that rock is Jesus. You rejoice because you're going to spend eternity with our risen Lord and Savior. That is why why we rejoice. So don't tell me. So don't tell me you cannot rejoice. You can rejoice. You can rejoice. Allow me to give you a few more reasons why you can rejoice. You can rejoice because Christ has paid for sin on Golgotha's hill. He who knew no sin was made sin for us. God commended his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The sin of sins of mankind was imputed on him. In light of this, God the Father could not behold his darling son. God turned his back on his son. When he turned his back on his darling son, Christ cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was carrying your sins, my sins, and the sins of the world. Christ bore an excruciating, agonizing, and intense pain for us all. Because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross, we're declared righteous. The redemptive work has been paid for. The Bible tells us in John 8 verse 36, Whosoever the Son set free is free indeed. Praise be to God, we are free because of the blood of the Lamb. Secondly, we can rejoice because we have eternally, we are eternally secure in Christ. Anyone, anyone who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus is secured in the safe arms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No one can unsecure us. No one can come in and change the padlocks. We are not we are, we, 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 no, we are not secured for a few moments or a few weeks. We are not secured for a month or a few months or a few years. We are secured for eternity. John 9.39 John 9, says, Now this is the will of the one who sent me, that I, that I should not lose one person, of, I should not lose one person, that I should not lose one person of everyone he has given me, but has raised them up. Raised them all up. John 10.29 says, My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Ephesians 1 verse 14 says, We are sealed until the day of redemption. Romans 8, 30, 35 to 39 says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor anything else in creation will ever, will ever able to separate us from the love of Christ. Listen. Listen. We are not the ones who are keeping us secure, but it is God in Christ who keeps us secure. If we are keeping ourselves secure, we'll be, a lost, we'll be lost souls. We have reasons to rejoice. We have reasons to rejoice. Secondly, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord is a prepositional phrase. A, phrase, a prepositional phrase shows relationship between two words. It shows how a, a noun or a pronoun relate, is related to some other part of the sentence. The, the preposition in describes the relationship between the Philippians and the Lord. In shows, it, it shows, as John MacArthur said, spiritual stability. The Philippians were rejoicing not because of what they had, but because of their position in the Lord. They had spiritual stability. Your rejoicing should not be based on your material possession. Your rejoicing should not be based on your job. Your rejoicing should not be based on how well your husband and wife treats you. Your rejoicing should not be based on your accomplishments. Your rejoicing should not be based on your degree. Your rejoicing should not be based on your circumstances. All these things can bring temporary happiness. But, 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 but true joy Wonderful joy comes from the person of Jesus Christ. When we realize what he has done, we should do nothing else but to rejoice. We were, we were left for dead, but God called us unto himself. We, we, were, we were people without hope, destitute, heading for a lost eternity. But God, who's what? Rich in mercy, made us alive while we were what? Dead, worthless, undone. Christ died for us. But, and, and Christ died for, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that what? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were, we were bastard children. No one wanted us. But now we are privileged children. Now we are heirs and joint heirs of the kingdom of God. So we ought to rejoice because of our position in Christ. We are in Christ, folks. We're in Christ. That's why we can rejoice. We have spiritual stability. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. John MacArthur says the joy, the joy is not a feeling. It is, it is a, it has, it is a, it is a deep down confidence that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and for his glory. And that all is well. No matter what the circumstances. The joy of the Lord arises. From, from leaving all our burdens. At his feet. That nothing can come. Nothing can come. Which he does not appoint or permit. That he is doing all things as wisely and kindly as possible. That in him we have been lifted out of the realm of sin, sorrow, and death into a region of divine 
love. That we have already commenced eternal life and that before us forever. There is a fellowship with him so rapturous and exalting that only human language can only describe it as unspeakable. Therefore, therefore, whatever you're going through, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, the, the failing marriage, wayward children, or, or, or you are stricken with some kind of critical illness, all this is for your good and his glory. Let's not stress about this too much. Let's put, our, let us, let's put it at the feet of the cross, knowing that we have spiritual stability in the Lord. That is our position, folk. That is our position. We have spiritual stability. We are in the Lord. We are in Christ. We can rejoice. Thirdly, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always is an adverb. An adverb is used to modify or qualify another verb, an adjective, or another adverb. Always is modifying or qualifying the verb rejoice. Paul told the believers at Philippi to rejoice. Knowing that rejoice is in the present tense and it indicates a, a, con, a, indicates a continuous action, Paul said to them that they must always rejoice. Always means forever. Therefore, the sentence would read like this. Rejoice continuously in the Lord forever. Paul was re-emphasizing it to the Philippians to rejoice forever, to rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always means regardless of the day, whether it is, whether it is dark or bright, whether it is difficult or easy, whether it brings problems and, and temptations or clear sailing, you, and clear sailing, you must rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Paul is saying, we can rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Can the unsaved man rejoice? Do you ask? Can the unsaved man rejoice? My answer to the question is, no, he cannot. Reason being, he does not have the Holy Spirit and one of the manifestations of the Spirit is joy. And, 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 and only a saved person can have this joy. It differs from overflowing joy. Good, good, it differs from overflowing good spirit of perfect health. For it persists amid weakness and pain. It differs from mirthful merriment. For it persists in dark hours as well as in bright. I, 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 while Tracy's mom was home. I, I went into in, into her, that was this past Friday. I went into the room and asked her how she's doing, and she said, "I'm ready to go home. I'm ready. I'm ready to to see the Lord." And here she was having difficulty breathing. She was having difficulty but breathing. But there's a hope that she's willing. That she's she knows that one day she will see our Savior. There, 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 there was a, the, the difficulty of breathing. And here she was saying, I am willing to see my Savior. There was hope. There was hope. So we have reasons to rejoice, folk. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter how dark the hour is. It differs from mere happiness. 
because it persists amid loss of all things. Loss of all things. Yes, the unsaved man might have a sense of joy that the world gives, but true joy, wonderful joy, comes from the person, unspeakable joy, comes from the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, the text says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Let us review briefly what we have said. We mentioned that rejoice is in the present tense, which indicates a continuous action. We also, it's in the active voice. That means we, 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 we ought to be an active participant in the act of rejoicing. We mentioned that it's in the imperative mode. It is, we're commanded to rejoice. We also mentioned that we have spiritual stability because we are in the Lord. And it also, we also stated that the always means forever. Paul then went on to say, I will say it again, rejoice. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying that at no point in time should we stop rejoicing. After you have rejoiced actively, continuously in the Lord forever. Guess what? Do it again. <laughs> Do it again. Maybe you have lost a loved one and you're actively rejoicing continuously in the Lord forever. And you might, you might feel that you have, you have rejoiced enough. Paul is saying, guess what? Rejoice in the Lord continuously forever. Maybe you have, you have a family member, a strict member that is critically sick and you're actively rejoicing continuously in the Lord forever. And somehow you might think that you have rejoiced enough. Paul is saying, do it again. Rejoice continuously in the Lord forever. Maybe, maybe your marriage is on the brink. And you have tried everything you can to save it. And you're actively rejoicing continuously in the Lord forever. And somehow, somehow, you think you have rejoiced enough. Paul is saying you must continue to rejoice continuously in the Lord forever. Maybe you have lost a job and, and, you, and you're not able to pay your bills. And you're actively rejoicing continuously in the Lord forever. But somehow you desire to stop rejoicing. Paul is saying, Paul is saying, cornerstone, do it again. Rejoice continuously in the Lord forever. Maybe your kids are questioning the faith and living lives that are not pleasing to God and, and you begged and pray and, and, and you are actively rejoicing in the Lord forever. And somehow, somehow, you want to give up rejoicing. Paul is saying, cornerstone, do it again. Do it again. Yes, it's hard. It's difficult. Paul is saying, do it again, cornerstone. What is hindering you from rejoicing this morning? What is stopping you from rejoicing? There are many things that can but Paul is saying that we ought to rejoice continuously in the Lord forever. Whatever you are going through, whatever you're facing, whatever difficulties 
you are encountering in your life. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And when you, and when you get done rejoicing in the Lord always, guess what? Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Are you rejoicing this morning? What's the difficulty? What are these challenges you're, you're going through? And I'm sure many of us are going through some challenges. But Paul is saying you can rejoice. As the worship team comes back again, let me encourage you. The altar is always open. You can come, confess your sins, or give whatever year of your life that is causing you not to rejoice. Place it at the feet of the cross. And if you're here this morning, you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Guess what? You don't have this joy. You do not have this joy. The only way you can have this joy is when you put your faith, trust in the death, death, burial, resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and make him Lord of your life. That's the only way you can have this joy. When you have, when you put your faith and trust, may I encourage you this morning, like Paul encouraged the Philippians, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice, Father. Continue speaking to our hearts as we sing this last song. May your name be exalted and be glorified. In Christ's name, Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.